Holly G with the Golf Insiders with one of the pioneers, female pioneers in golf broadcast journalism, Kathy Bissell, right here from Ponte Vedra. Kathy, tell me about how you got into golf. Were you a, were you a player as a child? I played junior golf at my mom and dad's country club. So I understood that, and I understood how to play. But I'm so old that when I was growing up, there weren't any sports for girls. So we didn't have college golf. Don't believe her. Oh, yeah. But my dad was a country club champion six times, and my mother was a country club champion twice after she retired. So I really just grew up around golf. And it was in your DNA. It was in something. <laughs> and I got started writing about golf in Columbus, Ohio, because I wanted to do writing other than promotional writing. I do advertising copy and it would be a paragraph and I got tired of just writing paragraphs. I wanted to write many paragraphs together and so I Were found, you a journalism major? No, I was an advertising major. Okay. And so I found a couple of people who were interested in golf stories there. And then I joined the Golf Writers Association and then I eventually got a job working for a golf developer in Southern California. And as it turned out... A very famous golf developer. Yeah, they made magnificent golf courses. Back in the day. Landmark, correct? At Landmark Land Company. I worked for Joe Walser and Ernie Bossler. Very and famous they, names yeah, in the golf industry. Very famous names in the golf industry. And they gave a lot of people good starts and a lot of people wonderful careers. And so one of my first things to do there was to do the public relations for PGA West. And the first golf, first of four golf courses that were there at the time. And then from there it was promoting the Oak Tree property in Oklahoma for the PGA Championship. And it was hard to do any better than Dinah Shore could do for the <laughs> women's course. So I let Dinah handle that one. And <laughs> I worked on the other courses that needed a little bit more help. Uh, there was, there were some things we did. We did the first televised shootout at Palm Beach Polo. I think it was in 1987. And then Landmark purchased the resort assets at Kiowa Island, and they built the Ocean Course for the 1991 Ryder Cup. So all of that the was war a, on the shores. That's right, it was. And along the way, I developed a television program, which was syndicated for about 10 years. And after Landmark went away, as we all say, then I had to do some other things. So I did some PR, I did television for another couple of years, and I fell back on an old family tradition. I got my real estate broker's license, so now I sell golf courses, and I write about golf, and that's fine. What a magical, magical <laughs> way to create your career. Uh, you've covered, because you live here, the Players' Championship for many years. What is it about, you know, Pete Dye's masterpiece here that, you know, the players just either love it or fall to pieces? Uh, Pete likes to get inside your head when you're on his golf courses. And I was lucky enough to be out with him in dirt in California several times. And we'd walk on some golf holes and he'd explain, you know, what he was trying to do with them. How special. It was special. And not everybody could understand that. I remember showing Jerry Tardy a picture of some dirt at uh, Kiowa Island and he said, Kath, I don't understand that at all. 
I said, all right, we'll send somebody who does. When it's done, you'll get an invitation to come and play. Longtime editor of Golf Digest, Cherry Tardy. And uh, so we did all of those things. But the interesting thing about Pete is that he's a very good golfer, or was a very good golfer himself. And his goal was, as he said, to make today's professional golfers have the same joy in hitting a golf shot that Ben Hogan had hitting his, whether it was a one iron or a two iron at Marion, and to have the satisfaction of hitting a well-struck shot. And it's pretty hard to make a professional golfer have that same challenge because they're also good. And so Pete would do things, oh, here's something for people who play Pete Dye golf courses, I'll give you a tip. Um, He would tell me that he tried to put most of the trouble on the left side of the course because that's what the pros fear. They fear the left, they fear the hook. And he said, most amateurs hit a slice. He said, so most of my courses, most of the trouble is not on the right, it's on the left. And if you think about interesting courses, if you think about TPC Sawgrass, the finishing hole, 18th, the water is all on the the left. left. So you can play on, you can be a little bit of a slicer and play that hole. Now, every hole is not that way, but the vast majority of his holes if there's going to be an error, it's going to be the mis- big mistake is to the left, and you're probably okay on the right. Interesting, because the, some of the players do talk about particularly, you know, what they see on the tee box and what is reality once they get out into oh, the fairway yes. is, you know, remarkable, and there's usually a lot more room than it appears. There is, and that's what I, when I would play the, the courses, the landmark courses, because the vast majority of them were designed by Pete Dye. I'd stand on a tee and I'd go, okay, where does Pete want me to play this? Because I know there's a big spot out there that even I can hit. And it always was. There was always a spot in the middle of the fairway. If I hit it, you know, within the right boundaries, I would be fine. And it's the same on the second shots or in third shots if you have one of those. So he really gives you much more room, but he really likes to mess with your head. Now I'm guessing you've had a chance to play TPC. I have played this one, and I think it's a fabulous course. And what about 17? What's it like for our listeners who've never had the chance? Well, when I played it, I uh, was years ago when I was still playing well, and I took a five-wood from the men's tee just to, to hit the shot, and I got it on the green, and that's all I cared about. It's <laughs> probably all any of us care that's about. Right. so I was happy to have that happen. But from the ladies' tees... Uh, Pete and Alice, mostly because Alice would just stay on Pete until he, you know, paid the right amount of attention. Um, The ladies' shots are very good and very playable for most ladies. And Alice... Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Alice. She she did studies. Good golfer herself. Yes. Oh, yes. I can't remember how many state championships she won. Um, She did a study for, I guess, the American Society of Golf Course Architects, of which she was the president, um, and found that the average woman golfer on her best tee shot can only hit the ball 150 yards, and that includes the roll. And so for a woman to have a par 5 that's 450 or 475 yards long, she can never get to the green in three shots because her best shot's 150 yards. So she's in, you know, she's in in bad trouble the whole way. It's four shots for her. And so men will complain that ladies take longer 
And my answer to that is, if you would put the ladies' tees where they're supposed to be, Amen. then they would not play, take longer to play, and they would play faster than the men play. But you, you can t- <laughs> take a horse to water, but you can't make them move the ladies' tees. <laughs> well, I've invited many of my male friends to come up and play the ladies' tees. Let me just say yeah. that. It's not as easy they, as it they, looks. But I bet they have fun up there. Absolutely. Um, so the Champions Tour continues to grow. We're seeing a lot of players that we follow, uh, Ernie Els and, and others that are now, you know, coming out to the Champions right, Tour. Right, and, and, um Retief Goosen. Retief Goosen, uh, you know, having um, regeneration of their, their careers a little bit here, which is so exciting, and it's only going to get better and better out there. And an interesting thing I learned about you recently was that you actually are the one who came up with and continue to do the statistics, correct, for this senior tour? I do what I call a power performance ranking. And what it is is I rank the senior players based on their performance in champions, well, PGA Tour champions events. And I only count the top 30 finishes every week because everybody's going to have a bad week and they're over 50, so they're going to have more than one bad week. Uh, They get a little bit of a bonus for winning because all golfers know it's harder to win than it is just to play the week. And I've been doing it since 2001. And the reason I started it was that the Legends of Golf Tournament was at the World Golf Village at the Slammer and Squire course for a couple of years and the first year that they were here Hale Irwin was playing very well and a couple of other guys were playing very well and Hale was of the opinion that the very best Champions Tour players which would be like a Bernard Longer or Steve Stricker or somebody like that today were competitive still on the regular tour and they were hoping that a ranking system would give them a way to be entered or to, to have entry into certain regular PGA Tour events based on their performance. That's never happened, but I keep doing the rankings anyway, and I find that Hale was correct. You know, the guys that are at the top, I mean, Bernard Longer is always up there in the Masters. You know, he's... It's amazing, he's isn't gonna it? He's going to keep going when he's 90. I mean, he's just incredible. So it, it's just interesting to kind of follow them along. And sometimes the people who were really great on the PGA Tour don't play well on the Champions Tour. I don't know if they lose interest or they have enough money or what it is or they just don't want to travel anymore, and it could be any one of those. And people who were club professionals and never really had a chance to make it as a, as a golfing, you know, professional golfer versus being a golf professional uh, when they were younger have the time and their families are grown and they get a chance for a year or two to come out and play on what they call the big show. And so every once in a while, they'll pop up. Do you think as more of, you know, these players turn 50 that you'll see as much of that? I mean, I think that was something that was really fun was to see, you know, the journeyman pro or whatever that got to come back and, you know, make his name in the senior tour. Well, What I have heard, and I don't have any facts for this, but what I have heard anecdotally from players is that they do not receive the same quality sponsor deals from their various, you know, golf equipment sponsors if they're just going to play on PGA Tour Champions versus if they're going to play some on the PGA Tour. 
there's just more exposure or it's just worth more to the manufacturers for them to be on the PGA Tour. And so that's why some people, you know, like Davis Love, he doesn't, Steve Stricker. Need, doesn't need the money. You know, they go back and forth and back and forth. And the competition is going to be stronger on the PGA Tour because it's, I'm not sure why you do it. It's like beating your head against the wall. There's not anybody in any other sport when you're 50 you want to go out and play against a guy who's 25. <laughs> you say, you're crazy. I mean, it doesn't happen in the Olympics or anything, but in golf, it can happen. Absolutely. Who's your pick this week? I made three different picks. I picked ones for Pro Golf Now, which is a website I write for, and for them I picked Dustin Johnson. And I write a Players' Championship supplement for the Ponte Vedra Recorder newspaper. And for that, I picked a tie, which would be a playoff, between John Rahm and Xander Shoffley. Because a I tie? Think, a tie. I think Xander Shoffley is just a sneaky killer. Been watching him since the Tour Championship. Well, when he showed up that one year at the Tour Championship, and you turned around, and all of a sudden... Who is this guy? The trophy is Xander Shoffley. And he go, where did he come from? Yeah, but he's just up there continuously so you know every year he's progressed and progressed he's only been out this is his fourth year and he's won several times already he tenacious just, he just sneaks right in there and he's, he's got a killer thing he, he goes for it can one of the newbies I win would, out here i would say unlikely unless it's victor hoblin well here's who i'm going with yeah sung jm oh well he's i wouldn't I call think he can win newbie. anywhere i'm not sure he's a newbie anymore but yeah i don't think he played he didn't play here last he year he didn't so this would be his first year and he's certainly Rookie of the year he has the potential but and i think this, he's got the ball striking yes but this is a weird golf course it is indeed and funny thing happens funny things happen on the way to the barn Kathy Vissel, thank you so much for spending time with the Golf Insiders. Thank you for the opportunity.